So here we go. <laughs> hey guys. Good afternoon, welcome. Uh, this is the first of what we think will be a weekly uh, series called Overtime, where we will kind of be diving into what was left on the cutting room floor of Sunday's message, as well as go over questions. We've got a bunch of questions that we wanna kinda of talk about today. Uh, I do wanna say thanks for joining us. For those that are kind of joining us midstream, we, we're still having some technical difficulties. We'll have it worked out within the next couple weeks. Uh, even sound, you might pick up a few extra things, but we're, we'll get there, we promise. Uh, so just kind of bear with us for this first first one, and we'll we'll kind of have some of those things ironed out. And, Sounds uh, good to me, Ben. Yeah, so we're excited to have you, excited to be part of it. So um, one of the things we wanted to highlight before we jump into the questions is something that we're calling Trails and Treats, which is going to be happening next Wednesday. Uh, it's going to be kind of during the normal cow time, so you can show up at 5.30, come for the meal, and then at 6 o'clock from 6 to 7.15, I think was... The, the time, or maybe it was 7.30. Sounds good to me, 6 to 7.30. Let's call it 6 to 7.30. 7.30, um, it's basically what we'll be doing is kind of like one of those old school trunk or treats, but instead of doing it in trunks, we are actually un unveiling our trails that are happening in the back parking lot, um, in the wooded area that we have there. So we're kind of encouraging groups to be a part of that. If you want to sign up, there's more information on our website, clcfamily.church slash signups and you can find the Trails of Treat link there. Um, so yeah, pretty exciting about that. So, and then a really good segue question from Trails of Treats into one of our first questions that we had asked today. And I don't know if we should do a recap now or should we kind of do this first question? Let's and then jump into the questions. Then we'll, let's, yeah. let's go into the question. Somebody actually had a question about Halloween. Um, so, some of the concerns of why we actually are participating in Halloween, um, kind of make, making mention that Halloween is rooted in the occult and list a couple different scriptures where there's concern and um, list a couple scriptures where we're challenged to not uh, uh, to imitate what is evil, uh, to not conform to the pattern of the world and reject kind of every kind of evil. So that was kind of the first question that we'll start off with is why we're actually involving being involved in something like Halloween. Yeah, really good question. Uh, we've been we've been sorting through this for a couple of years now, particularly um, and okay, as a church, how do we engage in culture particularly? Okay, so we got a culture out there, we got a church in here, but we know we're not supposed to be just a holy huddle. We know that somehow we actually talked about this past Sunday that Kind of the purpose of light is to actually take light into darkness so darkness is not something we have to be afraid of and go all oh, the dark we just have to define dark as what it is which is an right. absence of light and so i think it's a good question fair concern of hey there is there's some evil that's celebrated as it relates to halloween i get that group in a, in a, in a church world and a family that is really pretty um cautious and i, I think that I, i'd recommend the caution and in, in, in that um but as we think about it, we think, okay, if it's because it's a pagan holiday, we got some complications there because uh, both Jew, uh, both Christmas and Easter kind of um, evolve out of some 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 pagan holiday. So I can't just go, okay, well, it must have was pagan. We can't use that. It's okay. If it's specifically about the evil, then we got to do something with that. And mm -hmm. as we look at the culture, there's kind of three options that we can do on, on, on all things. So there's kind of this grid that as a church we kind of wrestle through and I'd recommend it for all of you as well and um, as you go okay should we engage in this with culture should we not and there's kind of these, this, this grid and the first part the, the first question in the grid is can, should we just accept it should we just accept Halloween or any cultural thing as, as it is I mean there's some here's some other things that we just kind of with culture you think about um, roads public roads right. you go do you uh, 
I mean, do you accept those roads? We go, we don't like roads. No, the culture made them. We accept them. Same thing with traffic lights, stop signs. We don't go, those are bad. Those are good. They're, they're, they're not immoral. They're not moral. They're just amoral. Mm-hmm. And so we just go, just part of life. They accept it. I, I, one of the ones I kind of go, even public education, we go, do we accept it? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, our kids are going to school. Would, would they teach them? Would they learn everything we want to learn? <laughs> I'm not sure. But boy, the, the, the teachers do a good job. Absolutely. So we just accept that that's part of the culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. Now, there's some things you just don't accept. Like, mm-hmm. and, and so the next part of that grid would be reject. I mm-hmm. would put uh, pornography in that, uh, mm, uh, affairs, sexual affairs, right. all those things. Like things you go, well, our culture is doing it. Or some of the stuff that you see on TV, you go, ah, oh, yeah, our culture is doing it. But um, that's not good for us. It's not good for our bodies. It's not good for our families. And so there are some things in our culture we go, nope, we ha- can have nothing to do with it. Do we, we have to completely reject it and say that is not something that is pleasing or honoring to God. And some people would say, okay, this Halloween fit in that category is it something we reject and then there's this third category that i'd highlight and say this is i think what we're doing as a church would recommend you guys kind of wrestling through this as well at home or wherever you are is the third category either accept it rejected or that the third one would be redeem it is it mm-hmm. possible that we could take things that have been created in our culture and go well we don't really like it as is but boy can we redeem it right, right. and right. so i uh, got all sorts of stuff in, in, in that there you can look at um different organizations uh and, Different sports teams. I mean, you don't look at the Eagles and go, "They we can we can either accept it just because the sports team." Can't, I mean, some of you want to reject it, but many of us actually get together and watch these sports, and there's a mm-hmm. redemptive quality of you know building some community. As it relates to Halloween, I would just argue that um, it fits in the category of redeem, particularly because you think about uh, neighborhoods. Uh, mm-hmm. When else throughout the year do people come and knock on your door and you get to interact with them get to be neighborly get to give them a gift and give them anything else you can put anything you want to in the back and so what a great opportunity to be able to be a good neighbor and also invite them to church so now you take this pagan holiday that some people say celebrates evil and now all of a sudden we can go well but we can be good neighbors we can be godly neighbors and we can use this time to engage and so and previous years like last year we actually canceled connect on wednesday cal because it was on october 31st to challenge our church to go and engage the their community as good neighbors now this year um halloween happens to fall on a thursday um on the 31st so the 30th would be a typical cal day for us and we thought what better time to actually uh, do even more redemptive work as it relates to Halloween. So one of the things we talk about here a lot about is building bridges in their community. In order to build a bridge, the, the understanding is you have to have footings on both sides of the ravine. Mm-hmm. So now we've got a Wednesday and a Thursday. Thursday, you can build your footing in your community, love your neighbors, be good neighbors, be good friends, all those things. Have a great time, enjoy those things. But on Wednesday, you actually can help participate in building the footing on this side of the ravine. Mm-hmm. I mean, now we're looking at hundreds, if not thousands, of people coming to our church because they want a safe place for their kiddos to to engage in this uh, this cultural uh, holiday, and now we get to love them well, care for them, create opportunities for uh, children and people with disabilities to also be able to participate in a way that's God honoring. And so we're saying, hey, let's, let's not glorify evil, let's not do the ghoulish stuff, let's not dress up like demons, where you know carry our pitchforks. But is it a really good way for us to connect our community? We think so. Now, for some of you that don't want to go, you have to do this. Some of you are catching your spirit and you go, yeah, I still have. Oh, good for it. That was that was kind of part of my my thought as we're just kind of talking about it. How do you how do you personally maybe walk through that? Okay, this is something that I should reject, or this is something that I should redeem. Like how do how do you or whoever's listening? How do you kind of work through that? Yeah, and so this is where I think there is a really neat thing about uh, Christian liberty and grace. So, for example. Um, 
I would, the first church I ever started was in a bar. So yeah, the reason right. we started the church in a bar wasn't because we wanted to celebrate bar nightlife or nightclubs. It was in the South on Sundays, bars aren't open. So we had a okay. free space to meet. Okay. Now, one of the guys that was on our team helping us launch a church, he had a really hard time with it. And we mm. would look at each other and chat with it, and it was, it was devastating to him. Right. Now, his background is he used to go to the same bar and make some really poor decisions. I would, okay. would put himself in was okay. a self-identified alcoholic. Okay. So he says, man, for him, going into that place brings nothing up but bad memories and anxiety right. and all sorts of stuff. So for him, it didn't make sense. And okay. yet, he understood this is a really great, great way for us to be in downtown Rome um, where homeless people slept so they mm. could, we could engage them in the church. Now, was it the right church for him to be a part of? Probably not. Which mm -hmm. we we hugged Max, loved him, and ironically, uh, for about two years we met in the bar. About a year we met in the bar, and then from there we moved into a mall. We were in a mall next, okay. and he came back in that. Okay. And so for him, it was just not a space that he felt. So I'd say, mm -hmm. if you get a catch in your spirit. No one's in any of these categories. You go, I just don't think that's for me. Then maybe the Lord's telling you there's there's something on that path. Not you would you know you would trip or stumble, but maybe it's just something on that path that's not for you. Now right. some folks have horrific nightmares as it relates to anything <laughs> Halloween related and there's all sorts of anxiety that comes with it I'd say yeah it's probably fair for you to go this is this is not a place that I feel comfortable redeeming this culture you now right. a lot of churches use a wine as it relates to communion right, right. you look right. in the scriptures we don't we use juice uh, out of an abundance of caution going there are some people here that would be a catch in their spirit they haven't had alcohol in their lips and in, in years if not decades and mm. so there are some places we go it's just it's just wise and prudent just right. to do that now right. For us, um, for a lot, for me anyway, that the benefits and, and, and like scary stuff, nightmares, all that stuff that lives in my world or in my experience, that the benefits of this, able to engage our community and not ostracize us from the rest of our community, outweigh uh, the benefits of redeeming, outweigh um, just putting up a big wall and go, nope, this is some, right. this is the culture's right. holiday. So that right. that's where it falls. For okay. Me. Yeah. Well, good. So. Um, yeah. So hopefully that kind of helps. Uh, some of you as you're listening and you kind of walk through that whether you should accept reject or redeem some yeah. of the things that are happening we're pretty excited for that trails retreat because as josh just explained just we're trying to redeem that and do something in our community and within our our area here mm -hmm. also not to mention that it also opens up the trails so that's right lots that. of fun so, trails you'll love them there's a bridge <laughs> over a creek so uh kind of jumping into the message content some of the stuff that was maybe yeah. left on the cutting room floor we do have a, a pretty decent amount of, of questions hopefully we can kind of get to the, all of them today mm -hmm. um but would you want to give a recap kind of for maybe that didn't those that weren't here or maybe that so caught some of it but missed some of it yeah so um we're in a new series well week three called jesus creed big premise is this uh creeds are ways uh, that we live it's set of beliefs that guide our life and so the argument uh, uh the persuasive uh, speech or sermon has been i'm trying to convince you uh, just very candidly that there is a better way to live and that way is not based on a set of rules or guidelines mm -hmm. or enlightened understanding it's based on an actual human being who wasn't just a human being, he was both fully man and fully God, Jesus. Right. And so we've been kind of uh, following through the last couple of weeks on a biography written by a guy named John, one of Jesus' followers, who basically kind of just set up this understanding that this good way of living, both for now and for eternity, all is based on Jesus. Now, the, the big premise that we looked at this past week, John 3, uh, verse 30, is where John the Baptist makes a declaration about how life is best lived, how to live the Jesus Creed, and he says this, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become greater, I must become less. Kind of the big aha of that talk was that uh, two sentence with a conjunction between 
is actually only three words, and it literally means that uh, it is necessary for him, meaning Jesus, that's the first word, to become greater. That's the second word. Necessary for him, Jesus. Jesus, greater, second word. And that's the, that's the first sentence. It is necessary for Jesus to become greater. Then the third word in that Greek, in the, in the Greek language, is literally, as the result of, you will decrease. So, as a result of the first part, it is necessary for Jesus to increase. And as a result of Jesus increasing into our life, um, the natural response, the natural product and byproduct, depending on how you look at it, is that the mess in our lives, our own hum our own pride, our own arrogance, our own pain, all those things, we will actually decrease. So Jesus increases, we decrease. So we kind of just played that out and made sure we understood that the, the objective in that wasn't to try to find the areas in your life to decrease, but instead to invite Jesus into every area of our life where, where there is light, darkness can't exist. So if Jesus is light inviting into every area and the reality is the decrease, that darkness in us will, will eventually be washed out, you know, sent out as a result of Jesus coming into our life. So that yeah. would be... It was a really great object lesson. Um, I do want to remind any of our listeners, if you are interested in watching that or listening to that sermon audio um, or video, you can do that at clcfamily.church uh, under the sermons tab. Uh, but let's jump into our, our question. And with that object lesson, I think there's one in here, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, so the first question is this. It says, so if Jesus changes everything and I do nothing, do I have any responsibility to try and live according to Jesus's precepts, even if I have no ability to live them well or correctly? Oh, great question. Oh, man. Well, that is a good question. First question today. Yeah, so um, we're going to be here for a few hours. No. Started in the deep end. Yeah, so this is really a good question. Good job. And boy, is this the... Um, <laughs> this is the tension we all kind of live in, uh, human responsibility versus God's you know, sovereignty. So you got this. Well, if God does all the work, if he, um, he does all the good stuff, if he, um, he, he, he does everything that is necessary for the good to have in my life, then what role do I play? And this is really interesting and so helpful and so, um, uh, gosh, counterintuitive to how we, how we see things and beyond that, really, really hard work. So, yes, we do play a role. Um, and the role that we play is not getting in the way of God's way, right? So by that, I mean uh, not getting in, in the way, us getting, standing in the way of God's way, meaning there is a plan, there is a purpose. And um, the reality is there's this really interesting question about, you know, soul freedom. Do people have free will? And I, right. well, I land in a place that I do think people can make some choices. Right. But the reality is left to my own um, decisions and devices, I will destroy my uh, my life, right? So, less, so while I have the ability to make some decisions, the reality is most of the decisions that I make um, in my flesh are selfish and um, self-seeking and um, prideful. And so if you leave someone to their own ability to make their own decisions and follow their own free will forever, what you end up having is a person who spends their eternity disconnected from God. Right. So you got that. So what's happening is you kind of got people walking in one direction and you've got the God of the universe coming in and pulling them back pulling them back and drawing them back. So one of the things we talk about a lot around here is uh, this word providence. It means God sees everything and he works in everything. And uh, what he does there is he bends and shapes all things for our uh, all things for our good and his glory. Now, luckily, I don't have to give you my own opinion here because uh, the writer Paul uh, wrote two-thirds of the books in the New Testament. Uh, kind of his Magna Carta, like his big book is the book of Romans, right? right. We like it. Right. Very helpful for us as, uh, as, as um, American Christians or Western Christians because Rome was kind of like, you know, the epicenter of all things, right. of culture, of government, of, you know, all those things. So very similar, just, you know, without the technology that we have now, they had their own technology. Um, but uh, so 
Paul uh, begins this uh, this letter, Romans one through chapter one through eleven, all kind of set this up. If you start in the beginning of Romans chapter one, the very like the initial after the salutations and the greetings, he literally tells us we are broken beyond repair, and he points out all these different sins, whether they're sexual or you know. Um, inward or outward or, you know, uh, sins of commission or sins of omission. He just kind of points out how bad we are at this. And then the, re- the, for, the, the remainder of the first part of Romans talks about what it has done to us. It mm. enslaves us, right? right? So the reality is we see this opportunity to make our own decisions. As we make our own decisions, what ends up happening is we end up wrecking our life, right? Mm. So you think about the addict who takes the first drop. He feels like they're in control. He drinks the bottle and, oh, that finally feels good. But you uh, skip the, you know, clock ahead at week, month, years. And what you see is someone who's enslaved to this one thing that he thought was right. the thing that he chose to bring him freedom or right. she right. proposed. So, so Romans chapter 1 through 11 talks about that process that as a result of our own decision making and our own abilities what we do is we end up enslaving ourselves to our choices mm-hmm. and then he says that the wages of that decision is actually death and uh, many of us probably in our life have experienced that kind of death death of a relationship and a death of a job death of a dream or a literal death as a result mm-hmm. of making our own choices so he explains that and then he starts talking about in Romans 1 through 11, that there is a solution for all that enslavement. But the solution isn't us behaving ourselves. The solution isn't us getting our act together. The solution is, is coming to some kind of terms of the fact that we can't, right? No, yeah, it's all Jesus. And then finally looking towards and pointing to Jesus as the hope and solution for all those things. Right. So Romans 1 through 11 talks about our enslavement that we put ourselves in and God freeing us through Jesus from that captivity. So if you don't want to be enslaved to your own choices, the only option is to surrender yourself to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to Jesus. So Romans 1 through 11 kind of walk through that. Then Romans 12, there's this kind of there's this transition. And you know it's a transition because it starts with the word therefore. So Romans 1 through 11, I'll talk about our enslavement, our bad decisions, and Jesus being one to to, um, to free us from that. So if you get that, the question is, well, what part do we play? Romans 1 through 11, right. the only part we play was getting ourselves in prison. Right. Um, so then you go, well, do we play any part at all? Well, luckily, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul starts with, therefore, brothers, I urge you. Meaning, there's a behavior change. Brothers and sisters, therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you. And then he says, in view of God's mercy, meaning what he talked about in Romans chapters 1 through 11, the fact that he freed us. He literally welcomed us out of the jail cell. In view of God's mercy, um, offer your um, bodies. So this is our behavior right. as a sacrifice, holy and pleasing. That word pleasing is also the same word we get for logicon, the same word we get for logos. So this is our logical response. So, Therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, that's set apart, and pleasing. Um, uh, for this is your, I'm sorry, this is your spiritual, that's the word that's logical. Okay. Uh, this is your logical, your spiritual act of worship. So therefore, brothers, as a result of what you see in Romans 1 through 11, offer your bodies, that means this is your behavior, this is what you do with your body, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing. So this is what pleases God. For this is your logical act of worship mm. as a result of what's happening. So what he's okay. saying here is going, you're right. All you can do is mess up your life. And if you can acknowledge that you are in captivity and Jesus freed you out of captivity, doesn't it make sense that you don't go back into captivity? Mm. Well, how do you not go back into captivity? Well, there's only one way. You offer yourself back to God. So That's yes, right. we do play a part. The part that we play is giving ourselves over to God. Yeah. That's the only part. Jesus is all yours. You know, the, the complicated part of this is, if you look at the Old Testament, there's all sorts of uh, sacrifices. But the one thing you know about blood sacrifice in the Old Testament is that the animal died first. So when all these animals were brought to the altar to go, God, you're greater than these things, they were animals that you knew were going to stay there. So the the dilemma for us is, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Mm -hmm. That actually implies that this is going to be a never-ending battle where you're going to go, I want to walk back off to the altar. Nope, I don't want to do this anymore. And so literally, that's why I love the church, why I 
love community. I love Cal. I think you should come keep coming on Sundays. It's kind of that process is continuing mm-hmm. to go, Jesus, you increase. Yeah. I'm coming in here because I have nothing to offer. I'm not trying to decrease. Jesus, you increase. So offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing for this your spiritual act of worship. And then it says, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Right. But be transformed by this is what's so crazy, not by your behavior, but by the renewing of your mind. Right. Uh, that right. word renewing is the same word like renovate. So it means our job is to give ourselves to Jesus and then get all the wrong thinking out. That it's not right. about my identity, it's not about my behavior, it's not about the things I gain, it's not about who how much I produce, it's all about what Jesus does to me. And then it says, Then you will be able to test and approve what God's perfect and pleasing will is. Mm-hmm. Then there's actually a direction. But it all starts with the only uh, the only requirement for us is in, is to acknowledge that we can't fix ourselves and then take ourselves and sit ourselves before mm-hmm. the one who can. Yeah. So and it's a process that we're in, it sounds yeah. like and, and it's a never ending one. I think yeah. that's the, the most complicated part is uh every now this is just very candid. I mean I'm a pastor, but every single day I have to um intentionally bring myself back to Jesus at right. the altar. I have to bring myself back and go, and that's why, uh, you know, the gospel say, take up your cross and follow it daily. Right. Every day it's right. going, no, 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 I, I can't have my own way because my own way will destroy me. Right, so. right. That's a good question, great yeah, question. Great question. Um, we'll just kind of keep it moving. This next question, um, I feel like it's important. I, I think I'll, I'll probably read it in its entirety. I, I think that there's... Uh, there's maybe a someone looking for a little bit more hope than what they're experiencing right now. Um, first, it starts with a compliment. So that's always good when you yeah. compliment your senior pastor. It says, messages are great. But then here's the question. But what is the point as life and reality will do everything that it can to bring you down? Uh, you can be the most empathetic and caring person and... Uh, be very uh, and be very tired. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. struggling to read this a little bit. Uh, when others are angry, bitter, and resentful, how can you keep going in this world? Mm, man, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm sad. Yeah. I never read that. Really. Yeah. Uh, sorry, that, that's your experience right now, and I, I, I don't doubt it. Yeah. I, I've been in, the, in your shoes, and um, one, I, this is not the biblical answer, but. Uh, what I just would offer first is I think community is really important here. Really proud of you to write that and ask that question and would say in whatever way you can, would you would you find some community around here that can uh, pick you up or get in the ditch with you or whatever whatever those things are. And, but from a kind of a, a theological standpoint or biblical one, I hope, I hope this might offer some hope. Um, when you look at the life of Jesus, so if we think about what it's like to be a Christian, like, okay, what does it mean? Uh, we talk about being a Christian, which, you know, that, that, that was a derogatory term in the first century. It literally <laughs> meant like tiny Jesuses, you know, like, look at the little tiny Jesuses, which is kind of funny if you think about it, like, oh, look at the little tiny cute Jesuses, aren't they so cute? So it was like a derogatory term that yeah. we kind of, uh, you know, picked up by the way. Um, so was Methodist. Methodist was a derogatory term for John Wesley's group because they followed this holy club oh, and these Methodists. So like, look at the Methodists. And they kind of last on to, yeah, we like our methods. No, no okay. doubt to those of you who are Methodists, just kind of interesting to uh, think about the same thing with Baptists. They like their, you know, their new baptisms. Yeah. They want to have to baptize again, right? But um, this this term Christian means tiny Jesuses are this. So basically what the understanding was is these are people who are committed to becoming like Jesus. Right. So right. At, the, at the core of Christianity, what if the Jesus Creed, what we're talking about is true, then the... The end goal for us is that our lives would reflect and be like Jesus. It's right, like that right. we would love like Jesus did, and we would care like Jesus did, and we'd have compassion like Jesus did, that we'd have the peace that Jesus has. We'd have the confidence in our Heavenly Father that Jesus came to bring us. And so 
when I read that, I go, man, that sucks. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can. Stinks. I'm sorry, I don't know if that's a bad We'll edit order. that yeah, later. No, wait, we're live. Beep. I don't know what I'll say. We're, like, we're live. Yeah, what am I going to do? Like a beep? Any beep would be worse. They're uh, so like, oh, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it does stink. It stinks that that's the, how life works there. But I would point out this. Every time you feel like you're taken advantage of, or someone's betrayed you, or misrepresented you, mistreated you, was mean when you were nice, um, I, I didn't trust your motives, whatever those things are. The reality is when you experience those things, what you're experiencing is what Jesus felt in its entirety in the Gospels. Like when you read Isaiah 53, it talks about the suffering servant. Like well before Jesus shows up, Isaiah declares a suffering servant who was betray uh, betrayed and mistreated and mm. misunderstood. And so um, I, know that it's ho I don't know that it helps you feel better in the moment, um, but it does at least help you understand that this is this lack of gratitude and, uh, and support and empathy is actually maybe an indication of your growth in this world as opposed to that the world's ever going to get any better. Like mm -hmm. when you feel those things, when you feel like you've been taken advantage of, mm -hmm. while it hurts, the reality is the one who was the most taken advantage of was on a cross and he literally was paying the price for all of our bad behavior. Mm -hmm. That means all the decisions I make from this point for that are disrespectful and dishonoring for God. Somewhere in the past, I took advantage of what Jesus did on the cross. So when you feel that, the reality is what you're actually experiencing and identifying with is what the Savior goes through. So I, I uh, maybe perspective can change a little bit there and you can go, oh man, now I know what it's like to be like Jesus. Jesus, would you yeah. give me your strength? So I think um, there's something really neat. The other part of that that I'd point out in Hebrews, it talks about the reason we can connect to Jesus is because He's not this weird high priest who's way right. out there, but he right. is a, a priest who actually lived the way we did and he right. understood. So um, if anyone knows that pain and suffering and sorrow, mistreatment, you know, being taken advantage of, Jesus does. So perhaps, perhaps if we're talking about he must increase, you must mm. decrease. Instead of trying to figure out those little pieces of decrease, how can I get someone to be more empathetic? I don't know those things. Mm. Could this possibly be a way by which you go to Jesus and go, Jesus, I, I understand what you feel. Could you mm. give me your peace and your comfort? And by the way, your wisdom to know how to respond. Yeah. So perhaps that's helpful. Yeah. So I feel like you're in good company is kind yeah. of what, what you're saying is that Jesus experienced all of that and he can sympathize with us. So, and then I would just echo, like, if there's anything we can do as a church, please Absolutely. connect with us. Uh, it's, uh, it's one thing to write a comment, but if, if you want, even if it's something that you don't want to be public, that's fine. Please let us know if there's something we can do for that. So any of our first names, any yeah. of our first names at clcfamily.church. Right, right. So, um, not, I mean, like by that, I mean, choose one, Ben, <laughs> any of our first names. At that yeah, one. yeah, it's not an actual yeah. address. So clarity. Uh, this next one's a little bit more of a fun question. Uh, it's uh, from somebody that helps teach at a, a local uh, ministry partner that we have. In the Urban show. Promise. Woo -woo. Yep. Yeah. So uh, it was, the question was, is what is the, the glop that you used in the jar? And that's referring back to the uh, visual illustration or the object lesson that you used. So, yeah. So you have to go back to the sermon. I'm time to revisit yeah. the actual thing. But the kind of the, the hope was for you to, un to see and feel the disparity between our humanity and God's divinity. Mm. Like we think, oh, finally it'll fix him. Well, we really feel a lot of times, I do anyway, at war between the very things that I want to be known for and the things that I want to be close to God with and my behavior. This is where Paul says, the very things I want to do, I can't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do do. You know, and it's like just that separation. And so, you know, it's a neat little science experiment that oil and water just don't mix. Right. So uh, Amelia and I and Sophie went to Walmart 
Walmart uh, Friday, <laughs> Saturday morning, and I had them pick out the the, the darkest oil they could that okay. wasn't expensive. Not olive oil, I've been, you know, <laughs> some of those are pretty expensive. So we went with canola oil. Canola oil. The, the gallon of it's like about 468. I used a gallon and a half. Joyce Ross is taking the other <laughs> half gallon home to fry something. So so it's just some canola oil is all okay. it is. And then a little little jug of water. And the reality okay. is because the oil goes to top, water, as water comes in, it just goes out. So yeah, it, it was, wasn't magic. It was a pretty cool visual. Like I feel like I've seen illustrations along those lines, but the, the separation of the oil and the water yeah. I thought was really cool just because that's how I feel like my life is. Like, yeah. I feel like this is what I have of Jesus, and then all of this yeah. is what I still have yet to really invite Jesus into, yeah. or really this is what he's still working on, or yeah. this is kind of what I'm focused on. So I, I thought the separation was really good. So. You know, what I wish I would have done in the sermon, this didn't make it a cut because I didn't think <laughs> about it, but, and the other part is the pan was only so big, right? Yeah. So at some point, that's all coming out, and that's all. I was concerned as I watched, I was like, man, is that going to go over? But the really beautiful thing about kind of that, illustration we're gonna play it forward a little further is once you keep that thing open right mm. and it comes in and all that oil comes out it's like the water keeps coming in but it just keeps spilling out right, spilling right. out spilling out and if it the spirit is without limit i think there's really something beautiful it says out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks mm. right okay. and so that's if you good. think about how do you minister how do you serve other people yeah. um if that's how we live, we live with all that coming into us. The natural product is that stuff comes yeah, out of us. It's not like we right. have to go Good. search, sit down, get get, you know, get up and fake it. It's like if that's what's coming into us. I wish I could spend some more time talking about. See the overflow of the fountain. That's got to go somewhere, right? It's just yeah, it's just yeah. spilling out. You got to do something with it. If that's how Jesus comes in and cleanses us and then gives us that kind of picture, so it would make sense that He's been so gracious and generous to us, or bless right. us so that we can be blessings to others. So right. I wish I would have played that out a little bit more. But I didn't. So didn't so, think about it then. So you said you destroyed a pair of pants? I completely, yeah. A pair of khakis, <laughs> they got uh, oil all over them. And, that, uh, what service was that? That was uh, Saturday, uh, Sunday. So I wore Sunday, jeans okay. on Saturday night and then uh, the pants on Sunday. Uh, one other thing kind of <laughs> point out there. If you came to Saturday night, I would use the smaller jar, but I didn't think you could see the difference. So I went to a quart-sized jar. Okay. So I finished up some sweet tea on Saturday night in the quart-sized jar. So I just brought it on with me. Okay. Just, yeah. All right. Yeah. So, okay. But if you're going to do that, use lots and lots of towels because that stuff is a mess. <laughs> And I touch my face when I talk, so I was like, oh, all sorts so of things. So if you break out somewhere, yeah. we'll know why. Yeah. So it's the canola oil. Yeah. Uh, we've got two more questions. Okay. Uh, I think they're both probably more on the, the serious side, um, but good questions. It says, uh, this one says, based on your sermon about John, why does John question Jesus as to whether he is the one? I thought uh, I thought I heard you say that he knew who Jesus was and completed his role. And then, then he gives two scripture verses that he or she gives uh, Luke 7, 19, and then Matthew eleven three, which is where John, it's the same story, but it's where John questions. He sends his disciples to Jesus to ask if he's the Messiah. I don't think they use the word Messiah, but if he's the yeah, one. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Good job on your Bible there. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, when I saw that, I actually looked up those passages. But okay, what's exactly going on? Now, what's going on here is John's in prison. And things are not going to get better for him. Uh, right. He's going to go from prison to beheaded, and uh, and so um, you think that's funny? Ben's no, it's just, it's just uh-huh. kind of, kind of a bummer. So yeah, it's a bummer. <laughs> and so um, yeah, so it's pretty rough. And I, that is correct. I did say that John knew he's the one. And the reason I know that he knows he's the one, I don't know exactly how. His mama definitely knew he's the one because, you know, the Holy Spirit told his mama to the point where his dad laughs about it and then can't yeah, talk for a while, right. which is such a funny story. And then, so he knows he's the one. He even declares it. He's the one who says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So he right. understood it. And so there comes a point where we know John knew. And then it looks like John's suspicious. Now, uh, there's a couple of different thoughts that maybe that help, that help frame that. Um, 
One, and I think this is for all of us, and this is why I like the thought so much about um, dealing with unmet expectations, right? Mm. Uh, we talk pretty often, and even with counseling or whatever, unmet expectations lead to disappointment, disappointment leads to bitterness, bitterness right. leads to resentment, resentment leads to contempt, right? right. So at right. some point you come to a point where you judge and do that. So whenever there's an unmet expectation, the solution is to to keep short accounts and figure out what why that expectation was right. not met and get to clarify that pretty pretty early right, on. Right, right. So I don't know that's what John's doing, but I think mm. uh, obviously he had some unmet expectations. <laughs> Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He knew that Jesus was coming to be the Messiah. Now most folks there thought the Messiah would cover the sins, but they thought part of the byproduct of their sins was the enslavement to the Roman government. Right. So therefore, um, a natural response that most people thought was Jesus was going to come to, to restore uh, the Jewish reign, mm. right? Be the new king, do those things, establish king, establish the kingdom of heaven and earth, right. which is still what we're asking him to do. So I expect right. the same right. thing at some point, right? And so there would have been a belief then that Jesus would have um, would have taken away the oppression that these folks were um, feeling for declaring someone else other than Caesar as Lord, right? Right, right. And yeah, what we know, and our Herod, or all these guys, right? What we know is it's actually the king. It's the it's the, the powerful people who imprison uh, John, and then eventually it's right. um, the little girlfriend, a girlfriend, stepdaughter, all sorts of complication, who basically says, I want John's head for my birthday. So what we do know, and, and he obliges, so what we do know is John eventually gets his head cut off. Right. So where we find John when he's asking that question is in Antipas's uh, prison, you know. And right. So in uh, first century prison, they didn't even want to feed you food. So they they don't want. I mean, they don't want you to, to die there. They I mean, they didn't care, but they were that inhumane. So right. uh, uh, relatives could come take care of you, so they okay. could bring their own food. And so John would have been had his followers there. And so uh, in that setting, all of a sudden he's going. Probably. I don't know. He, he didn't tell us this. But he's going, uh, I thought Jesus was going to rule and reign. Mm -hmm. And that would have meant that this guy wouldn't be in charge. And that guy wouldn't be in charge. And how in the world did I get in prison for this for doing the right thing? Right. So right. part of that broken worldview. That good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. And that's just kind of been pervasive throughout time. So in some sense, John had an expectation of Jesus that didn't get met. Probably. Yeah. So John uh, does the godly thing. He actually sends his disciples. Actually says, I think they heard his deeds. So he's like, hey, Jesus still keeps doing some pretty supernatural stuff. So I'm going to send my disciples and get some clarification on my unmet expectation. Yeah. Perhaps. And so I would offer that for any kind of relationship. You got an unmet expectation? It probably makes sense that you clarify what your expectation was. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jesus, I thought you were the Messiah. I thought you were the one. Are you still the one? <laughs> Or do I need to look for another one, right. right? And so this is what's really... So I think a couple different times you see this. One, he says, Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. So at some point he's confident that. You see this when Jesus uh, heals a, a, a soldier's daughter. He says, Do you believe? And he goes, I believe. Now help me with my mm -hmm. unbelief. So you have that piece that maybe he's just trying to clarify his expectations because his expectations of what a Messiah would be mm -hmm. um, were different. By the way, you do the same things, but this isn't judgment. I do the same thing here. I pray the prayer, ask God to fix my marriage, ask God to fix my family. I, I devote my life to God if he will heal my grandmother's cancer. When that doesn't happen, now all of a sudden I wonder how God's the Messiah because I thought his job was to fix right. all the problems. Right. So but we do this on a daily basis. We just see it play out that way. Yeah. So, um, so you go, was John questioning it? I would say yes. I would say he was questioning the expectations. And so he goes and questions it. No, he might not be. Now, one other side that could possibly have been is John knows that things aren't going to be better for him. Or right. He's suspicious of that. He's got some followers. And now he's got to point these followers to a new leader. Hmm. So is this possibly John's way of, by which he connects his followers to a new leader? Possibly. But I, I think I'd still land on the camp of, yeah, he probably was suspicious. Didn't have yeah. any expectations. So he goes, he sends them. 
based on the story that I believe I read it yesterday. Uh, both stories, uh, both both gospels capture. Um, Jesus then welcomes them and kind of lets them kind of uh, shadow him for yeah. a day, and they get yeah. to see all sorts of good stuff. So they're seeing this and going, "Oh, they're, they're, and, and then they went to report back. That's right. So they're going to take this back to yeah. give John that confidence. So let right. me tell you what right. we've seen. No, no, he's definitely the one. But the neat thing about the passage that I love so much, John's just questioned it, probably, right? He said his bold name of God, takes away sins of the world, then he questions it. After that, when Jesus is back, Jesus actually um, gives John a reference. Like, he actually mm-hmm. gives him accommodation there. And he says, yeah. he says, he says, I think it says something like, he is the greatest to ever be born of a woman. Mm-hmm. So, that means uh, of human flesh, right? The greatest ever. He literally, yeah. in that moment, says, John is the very greatest of all the humans ever lived. No, he's about to die. He's in a he's in a prison. That's a really, really bad way to go, right? But the God of the universe on this planet gives him the goldest of gold stars. <laughs> and he's just questioned him, yeah. right? So he's going, look, I came to do my job. I did my job. And yet I'm still confused about what that, yeah. what's going on here, Jesus. Can you help me understand it? He hasn't even got the answer yet, yeah. right? So he hasn't even, hasn't even confirmed to John that he's the guy again yet. And yet Jesus sees all that and goes... Mm-hmm. I really love this dude. And here's why. Here's why I think. Because even though John questioned it, even though John had all sorts of complications, he had a really pure heart. Mm. He goes, I'm not the guy. He's the guy. I must in- he must increase. I must decrease. Right. And so it almost I- comes full circle back to that. Like you see in John's own life yeah. that he's living that out. Like I need to decrease. Like he has to increase and I decrease. Yeah. And that's just really neat. So he does. And not only that, in the middle of his worst decrease, yeah. what does he do? He goes and finds the increase, yeah, right? Yeah. So how does he get charged back? It's That's not that right. he, he sits there and tries to figure out all the suspicions. Right. He goes to the one who is the one that has the answers. He doesn't even try to go, well, yeah. I remember I talked to my mom said, you know, like he's <laughs> not even trying to revisit. He's literally going back to the one. Yeah, right. that's really, really good. That's really right. a pretty interesting thought. So you see that with him. And then he's just declared this guy. So I like it. I mean, let's go. Yeah. Every day I go, Jesus is Lord. Yeah. I hope. You know, like, right. outwardly, I'm so confident that inwardly, sometimes when things don't match up in my family and my finances, I go, God, is this, is, is this, yeah. even like right now, it's already made service. Yeah. Okay, God, we know you want to do this, okay? There are 87 people in the crowd. Why 87? Right. Like, God, okay, I know you spoke, but, right. we, you know, and so there's this, I think John probably was more, um, insecure about his own understanding than he was about who Jesus was in that. Mm. You know, okay, let me confirm that. So now yeah. some talks. That's good. So, I even great think, question. Good job. I good even job. think through the disciples who wrestled with doubt too as yeah. they were walking with Jesus. Like, uh, you would think that they wouldn't have any doubt, but they did. So. By the way, I, I don't know what time it is. I don't really care. Uh, uh, yeah, we got about 15 minutes. Okay, so um, one of my favorite passages, people ask me all the time, this is in John chapter 6, and it really, when Jesus says the craziest thing, eat my bone, drink my flesh, <laughs> or whatever it is, and all the two walk away. <laughs> and then there's that place where Jesus looks at Peter, and he goes, are you going to go too? Yeah. And Peter's response, I'll tell you, this is what I cling to. It's not that it makes sense here. It doesn't make sense. All these uh, church budget, all those things. But what makes sense to me is what Peter's answer is. And he says, who else holds the words to eternal life? Right. So at the, at the base level, that's all I cling to. Okay, God, I don't understand yeah. how all this plays out. I don't know how you, what you do with cancer. I don't know what you do with injustice. But who else literally holds the words of eternal life? Yeah, that's so right. That, that's what I cling to in, in the middle of my prisons. So. Yeah, great question. I, I'm really... Think that was but you think thought. that was better than the rest of the questions? Uh, no, I, is that uh, what you're saying? Maybe. Maybe wow. a little bit. They wow. just, like the Marines, they studied. Yeah. Anyway, uh, here's the, the last question that we have for today. And really didn't have an order, so if it feels like we're jumping around, we might do a little bit better job of organizing them in the weeks to come. Or not. Yeah, yeah probably not. Uh, the last one, it says, Throughout the Old Testament, God is often shown as harshly punishing those who fail to obey Him. In light of the message of Jesus, did God not do this knowing full well that it was impossible for those people to obey him. 
And then kind of a second part is how, how do we reconcile the picture God, uh, the picture uh, the punitive God with the complete forgiveness of Jesus. Oh, great question. So yeah, I like it a whole bunch because we have we have two different pieces we got to work through God on. We got to work through God of wrath and God of love. Right. And, uh, a lot of times what we say is uh, there's no way it can be both, right? So if God is all powerful, right, which we say he is, and all loving, yeah, then we have some difficult things we have to do with evil. Either God is not powerful enough to stop the evil, right, right. by that right. or he's not loving enough. To, to stop it. So you get that piece. And then, but we know that God has wrath in him because we see a play out through the Old Absolutely. Testament. And so, um, a couple things that I, I think are worth pointing out there. Uh, Old Testament God, New Testament God, they're the same God. Mm-hmm. Okay? They're not different sides of the coin. They're the exact same God. Right. God's character is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. So we can't go, well, that's a different God. Jesus is a different God than God. He's like the good cop. God's the bad cop. I mean, God is God, and right. he is for God, and he feels very comfortable being completely holy, completely loving, and God declaring that justice is his. So, um, but, so there's several ways to think about this, um, particularly one, one, of the, one of the simple ways to think about it is as a parent. Okay? Mm. So as a, as a father, I can be filled with love and anger mm-hmm. concurrently, right? right. Um, I can be filled with the love and care for my child and want them to be a human being who thrives and honors the Lord with their right. uh, life. I can be that. And at the same time, I can be a, a dad who's very angry at the choices my kids make. Mm-hmm. Not because they represent me, not because they're a reflection of me, not because my life will be worse because of it, but because I don't want them to be that when they grow up. There's right. a, there's a right. way by which they live. And so right. um, so when you think about it that way, like, I mean, even um, in the Psalms, it talks about God hating sin and sinners, by the way. Yeah. And so when we think about that, one of the ways that I usually try to do is go, parents who have adult kids struggle with addiction, you can love your child wholeheartedly and look at them and at the same time as loving them wholeheartedly, say with your mouth, I hate who you've become. Mm-hmm. So as a parent, we get that. We know that we can live in the world of love and anger yeah. um, um, at the same time concurrently, right? So I can hate what someone's become while still loving them dearly. So I hate who their identity is now and yet love who they are and who God made them to be. So, um, no, God has infinite wisdom and can view the entire world in that yeah. way. He can look in and he can view people as he created them and wired them to be, and he can view them in the way by which evil has um, and pain and sin have, have done damage to them. So, first, got to deal with a God who's wrathful. Now, as a parent, we, that one's not too hard. Like, you think about, you think about if someone is doing something to your child, molestation, something in a horrific manner. If you were to encounter that, the... The, the the appropriate response right. would be right. to immediately remove the harm from the child. Right, right? now, right. at whatever cost, if that is you know physical violence, whatever it is, right. if that's going on, the anger that you go, how dare you take this pure innocent being, my child, right. and do that to them right. and because you know you know in that moment that not only is it affecting that moment it's affecting every Absolutely. other moment you know playing Absolutely. going forward so as a good parent your response to evil in that situation is to be filled with anger and wrath mm-hmm. right because that is a that is the natural response to what happens when evil encounters our world mm-hmm. now if there's a god who created perfect beings and there is 
evil that has interjected itself, both from the enemy and then from within. What is God's natural response to when we do evil things that do damage to the people? And we can't mm -hmm. play the tape board. We can see the molestation and go, yeah, that's bad. But there's a hundred other things that are just right. as bad, or, or not maybe just, that's the wrong term, that are, that are you know, also bad, yeah. right? right? There are things that our parents have said to us that, have, that are right. still doing damage, damage to us. So right. you have, God looks at that. And what is his natural response then if he created a being to live and thrive as human, to live and thrive and find joy and fulfillment in this life, and mm -hmm. these things are doing it? Well. His natural response as a parent would be, that's got to be cut off. Hmm. Well, so now you have a God, and here's the, here's the more complicated part. We are both equally innocent and guilty. Hmm. So when God looks at us, he's both seeing the damage done to us with great mercy and compassion, and yet seeing the damage we're doing to others with great anger and wrath. Yeah. So it's a conundrum that, that God could be so loving and gracious towards the pain of us and see us as he made us to be, and so angry at the behavior that's led others astray and ourselves astray. Right. So therefore, if the correct response that that's happening to my child is to immediately do whatever the whatever's required to remove them from it and to ensure they never do it again, right. then how does God respond to that kind of evil in our life? Well. That the natural understanding would be that there would be consequences for our behavior. Hmm. So now, what's an appropriate consequence? Is it a slap on the wrist? Is it well? And who gets to decide those consequences? Right. Well, if 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 God is the one who looks into all things and knows all things, He has the ability. Because one of the reasons that when we think about how to to cause consequences, we look at someone and go, "Well, will they do it again? Mm -hmm. Will they be a harm to other people?" And then we make a decision based on both the um, the the horrendous act of the crime and the possibility for future crimes, and right. then we make a decision on what their punishment will be. Well, God in all of His brilliance mm -hmm. can see the whole see the whole thing, right. so He can look that. into something and go, "What was the act?" Is there any hope from this point forward? Hmm. Now, if there is no hope from this point forward, what we do to people is we put we isolate them into prison. Yeah, right. Till they can live a miserable yeah. life and die at eighty or sixty. <laughs> or be rehabilitated. Yeah, you know all these all these different things. Which so God in His perfect wisdom can look at an entire world and go, hmm. "There's no hope there." Yeah. Which is why I feel com I, I find confidence in things like the flood, right. um, where God looks at an entire world and goes, "They are just doing damage to each other." There right. is no hope, like we talk about all the time. Right. This is the way you put your animal to sleep if there was nothing but pain and sorrow. So God looks in and He does that. So some of God's response to what seems to be wrathful is actually, it's not hard for me to see, but possibly complicated, mm. um, um, merciful and gracious. They go, let right. me go ahead and put these folks out of their misery. So you got two different things. You got a loving God who's dealing with sin and a God who is perfect and just, who has made statements that yeah. he that vengeance belongs to him and there every single sin will be accounted for. Right. So you got this whole thing. Now if you look at the Old Testament, you go, well Jesus is all gracious and forgiving. That's right. And he always was. And everybody was always looking towards him. Everybody's always looking towards him for forgiveness. They didn't know they were, but they were. So in the Old Testament they would go, Jesus, you're kind and you're uh, God, you're kind and gracious and you have made a way where there's no way. Here's Here's the temporary solution for that. That would be a sacrifice. And here's the permanent solution for that, a Messiah in the future. Mm -hmm. So we're going to acknowledge your, your, your grace to us by making the sacrifice now, saying this is just the band-aid, but you have a cure 
right? Mm-hmm. And so there was this there was this simultaneous thing going on in the Old Testament where people were acknowledging that Jesus, that there would be a Messiah who would eventually save all things. And so they were looking forward to that day on the cross. Yeah. Now, they were also in that moment going, that day hasn't come yet. So right now we're acknowledging that Jesus, you're greater than, or God, you're greater than our greatest things. So throughout the Old Testament, you see these sacrifices. And, and yet you do see a God who is wrathful towards people that punish him. You see mm-hmm. uh, different wars like the Philistines, other people where God comes in and wipes out an entire nation. You go, well, how can he do that? Well, how would you do that to the person who does that to your daughter, right? So you, right. you look into it. God has the ability to look into it and say, there is no hope, there is no future, right. and then puts them out of your misery. That's a perfect judge. That's right. right. It's a yeah. perfect judge. So it seems weird that we'd sit here and go, God's not a very good judge. Well, he's a, he's a, he's not, he's a perfect judge. Right. Like right. We know that. We would not want someone who does mass shootings to right. the, the judge go, it's okay, you're off, right? So there always has to be something done with it. And so God does that no and that where it gets complicated is going well i thought god was all gracious and forgiving he is and mm-hmm. so this is it's so brilliant about god he is both loving completely loving and completely just and yep. he feels comfortable in both worlds and we see a perfect picture of that and like that a perfect picture of that in jesus yeah. so at a very moment of time the roman says that god is both just and justifier mm-hmm. so the god of the old testament is saying where there, uh, that I will, I will wipe out people who destroy my children. I am for me, and I am, I am against anything that's against me. And God can peer into the souls and peer into the hearts and understand the purity of their heart and what their desires were. If yeah. their desire to do evil, then God would wipe them out. If their desire was with some hope and some future, right. then right. God would sustain them, which I would say, if you're still listening after this long part of it. <laughs> um, uh, if you've got a pulse, you're taking some deep breaths, that's really good news. Right. Because God has peered into your soul and said... There's still hope, right? Yeah, so there's right. still hope there. And so in all that, what we see is a God who has infinite wisdom, who just makes it, who can do those things. Now, why I feel comfortable with the whole thing has to do with Jesus on the cross, just and justifiable, because in that moment, that moment, that moment alone, what he is doing is he is being a perfect judge. He is, ma- he is making sure every single sin, every single bit of evil is accounted for and paid for. Yeah. And he is also being perfectly loving because right. he's not requiring that of us. Yeah. And from that point forward on both sides, the only reason that people continue to pay for their own sins in the way that they do is because they've said to God, mm. I'm not interested in you covering it. Yeah. So when we talk about this forgiving God, God was always forgiving. Yeah. God was forgiving in the Old Testament. God was forgiving in the New Testament. And it's always been the same reception to the forgiving of going, God, right. I need your forgiveness. Right. I acknowledge right. that I cannot fix me. So when you see humility show up in the Old Testament, you see God's forgiveness mm. and grace and mercy. When you see pride and arrogance show up in the Old Testament, you see God's judgment and wrath. Mm. In the New Testament, when you see humility show up and acknowledging that Jesus is Lord, you see God's forgiveness and grace and mercy. When you see arrogance show up in the... In in the New Testament, you see God's wrath. So, same. It's, it's almost like it's impossible to see God as just one attribute. Like yeah. God has always been more than one attribute. Mm-hmm. He's always been been full of judgment, and he's also always been full of forgiveness. Yeah. So, if you were to imagine the um, the two sided face, yeah. All right. And I hate to try to make God that small, right? Yeah. But if he's both judgment and wrath. Um, what you see depends on your position looking mm. at him. Yeah. Right? That's why I love that idea of someone held their hand, their fist raised in defiance. They're seeing God's wrath. Yeah. They're raising their hand, holding their fist raised in praise or hands raised in praise. They're seeing God's mercy. So right. when you see this, right. the, the only time you see it happen perfectly, where you see all of God's face, is when Jesus is on the cross. God, mm. is, you're seeing his wrath put into Jesus mm. and you're seeing his love put into his people. Yeah. So uh, whether or not people experience his wrath or his love has to do everything with the position by which they look at God mm. and respond to God. So, 
That's think, good. Well, thanks for listening to that as we work through it. Yeah, so we've got just a few moments left. Is there anything else from Sunday's message that, you know, stood out to you was, as we kind of used in the description, was left on the cutting room floor? Like, anything else that you would want to add? I, you know, I... I wish I would have teased out, I mean, I did a little bit, uh, a little bit more about the upcoming week. So, as we think about this, uh, this series, Jesus Creed, there's kind of this foundation we're building, right? Yeah. Okay, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is a solution for all of our um, philosophical thought and all of our rule following. He, he, he you know, he's, he's the logos both for the, for the religious, the word, and for the irreligious. Um, and so the first three weeks have been, I, I wouldn't say philosophical, but they've been pretty intense of kind of walking through the foundations of what it means to... To, to believe this, yeah, right? right? And so what we'll see over the next five weeks is actually Jesus now coming, this guy, implementing his new creed, coming face-to-face with actual human beings. Okay. So um, in this one, what we'll get to do is <laughs> we won't now think philosophically, ethereally about how do we believe this stuff, look at different philosophers. What we're going to see now is uh, people in the, the scriptures that Jesus just interacts with. Okay. And then we're going to find ourselves in that place. And mm-hmm. so it will be really helpful for us to be able to hear, hear Jesus' words in light of who he's calling us to be. So you got, you got two different pieces here. One, okay, what is God speaking to us about, right? Yeah. So why, what is he telling us about ourselves? And then what is our response to that? So okay. while the, the creed has been about what do we believe in light of what Jesus does for us, now it's going, uh, it's going to start playing out of, okay, what is our next action steps as a result? So this week it'll be uh, John chapter 3. You can read what you are. You're familiar with it. John 3, 16. Uh, for God so, so loved the world. And so we're going to start at the beginning of John chapter 3 and get a, a, to, to about 3, 18, 3, 19, somewhere around there. Where we're going to see that passage in its context and it is um, mesmerizing as it relates to those of us who struggle with religion and trying to perform well for God to, to be happy with us. So really, oh, awesome. I, I recommend you being here. But one other thing I'd say on that is, wow, we love this online stuff and um, really, really glad you, you do it and are, are using it as a, as a tool. Uh, two things I would, would say, if you're, if you're watching this from afar, like, uh, I don't know, we got folks watching it out west or, or you know, down south, and glad, glad you're here. Um, but please, 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 please. Don't make this a substitute for the local church because yeah. this isn't community. Yeah. Like we get to answer some questions, and boy, we love you. Well, if we can pray for you, we want to. But uh, a real community doesn't happen in rows or behind screens. It happens in some kind sure. of circle where you're known. And so please, 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 please don't let this be a crutch to do that. And if you are part of this thing and you're watching this because it's easier and you don't have to engage as much or haven't been coming on Sundays, whatever it is, or Saturdays, please, please, please uh, don't use this uh, as the way by which you just fill your cup. Um, hmm. Because uh, we believe that you don't just get to fill your cup. Remember that spirit comes down and you actually are emptying your cup and mm. you bring that spirit with you. And so we miss something when, when, when you're not here. And so I'm really glad to offer some new tools online. Um, do think for you, your family, uh, for, you know, your, you know, your trajectory in your life. Yeah. Uh, real community is, is, is necessary. So I hope to see you back in these places. If you haven't been here, and if you're not from around here, let us know. We'll be happy to help you find a, the place yeah. to land. Okay. We'd love to see you get connected. Yeah. Um, two quick things as we kind of sign off. I do want to let you know that I believe it's by tomorrow afternoon, we hope to have this up on our podcast channels. Uh, there are two brand new podcast channels. You can find us on both iTunes, so Apple, as well as Spotify. And basically, if you search for Christian Life Center Podcast, you'll be able to find that on both, again, Spotify and on Apple or iTunes. I'm not sure which one it's called. I, just, I don't know. Apple Podcast. Apple pa- Podcast. So um, I think that's pretty much all we got. I guess one of us is going to get up or both of us are going to get up and stop the recording. So thanks for being with us and until next week next Tuesday at noon yeah o'clock